0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, it's a little different than Easter. Have you noticed? Anybody noticed? It's a little bit different. Uh-huh. This is actually Eastertide. Eastertide for all you liturgical, ecclesiastical folks that just like to stay in the church calendar year. What is Tide? It's that, it's that season from Easter Sunday all the way to Pentecost Sunday. It's a 50-day period of time that uh, during this time, the early church realized that the, the, the implications, the ramifications of the resurrection was so immense and so amazing that it, it takes longer than just one Sunday to celebrate everything that is found in the resurrection. And I find, yeah, uh, w- when I think of the resurrection, I think of the three days. I think of Good Friday. I think of the suffering. I think of the passion. And, and I, I think of all of that as all in fair game for us to be thinking about and meditating upon and, and looking for revelation. So what did Jesus do on the cross is one of the things that I want us to look at. But first I wanna encourage you to really take advantage and if you don't have a current devotional system going, start reading in the gospels, all the things that Jesus said leading up to his death through that time and all the resurrection accounts and then everything that happens after that up to Pentecost and just continue to just bask in that and let it just bless your life. <clears throat> I love Easter because it's full of joy. <laughs> There's the laughter of love. We, we find that love is one and Christ is risen and death is lost and Satan is is defeated. And uh, we just love all that is involved in that. It's it's a concerted, uh, concerted prayer. It's a waiting for God's spirit to be released upon the earth. Uh, we find that the body of Christ, now as he has, has died and has been raised, that there is something new about his body. And we see that in the post-resurrection accounts. As, as he comes to life, we see that his body has different, different traits than it did before that. Before, if he wanted to go from Galilee to Judea, he would have to walk. Now all of a sudden he appears and he disappears. Wow. I like that. Beam me up, Jesus. Mm-hmm, yeah, what's the coordinates? Let's go to Joppa, woof, there we go. Let, let's Let's see, there's something unique about his body. First of all, it is a body. He, he's not a spirit, he's not a ghost. The disciples thinks he, he thought he was a ghost and he said, no, no, no. And he tries to show them that he's not a ghost. How do you, how do you convince somebody you're not a ghost if they're so scared they think you're a spook? And well, you show them your wounds. This is where the nails were. This is where the sword went, my, my feet, my hands. And then you have lunch. Man, have you thought about that? I know some of us who have special Desserts that we really, really like, and that we might have restrictions on planet Earth because of blood sugar levels. That when we get to heaven, I don't know what your Turkish delight is, but I'm sure they're going to have Boston cream pie in heaven. (sighs) German chocolate cake. Oh my God. I'm praying that they have Brenda Nortrup's recipe. If they don't, Brenda, you're going to have to get it up there. Especially if I go before you, because I, I I don't want to <laughs> wait wait on you to get up there, and because there is a spiritual glorified body that is a body that we will have. Wow. I'm I'm kind of excited about that. But the restrictions that we have as a, a as a result of living on a fallen planet with. <laughs> Gravity and all those kind of things and age and decay will no longer be upon us. We won't have restrictions. I, I doubt if I'm gonna have hair, but if I do, oh, wow. it's gonna be like David's. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get some little wave in it and get it looking good. <clears throat> I don't know if we get to choose that, but uh, it's, it's fun during this season of, of resurrection joy, and celebration to just think about the body of the Lord Jesus, the body that he had as he he was here upon the earth. So let's get to our scripture now. Colossians chapter one, beginning at verse 15. Praise the Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, can you believe only eight verses this Sunday? Can you believe it? Hmm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word is so rich. We can meditate on it. We can just continually be transformed by it as we place it before us and allow it to work in and through us. We invite you Holy Spirit to take the very word that was written to the church at Colossae and write it to the church at Mount Comfort. Write it in our hearts. Write it so that we will have eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us the continued revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ for we ask it in his name, amen. So the gospel is just one incredible revelation of the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus comes to earth and he becomes the face of the Father for us. He's the representative, the exact representation of who the Father is. And so Jesus says, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And so here we see in the human face of Jesus, the face of God. Wow. He's come to reveal the Father. He's come to destroy the works of the devil. (laughs) He's come to release the kingdom and return the keys back to us, back to our original assignment. So here's what Jesus, your Lord and Savior, did on the cross. Okay, number one, he took the entire world system that is in rebellion to God and he conquered it. He brought it to subjection. Hmm. In Colossians 2.20 he says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the evil powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world? Hmm, here he's talking about in the spiritual realm, that the cross has has enacted a tremendous victory over the spiritual realms of darkness that have dominated and ruled on planet earth up until the coming of Jesus. And now with his death and resurrection, death has been conquered. Evil has been overcome. And so we see (laughs) that we are now alive. Now some of you are saying, "Boy, that sounds really good. If if evil has been absolutely conquered and spiritual evils then why do I struggle? Why do I struggle with temptation? What is it that uh, that is the reason why I'm still having difficulties in my life? Why do bad things happen to good people? The problem of pain, the problem of suffering, the problem of sin. What what's going on? If Jesus really with his death and resurrection has totally destroyed all the principalities and powers and rulers in high places. Why is that still an issue? So when you hear verses of scripture that says to the effect that Jesus has defeated evil and you find something that resists that inside there's something that, that, that resists. I, I want us, uh, do you, you know, God is a God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And the only way that we can relate in a healthy way with God is to be absolutely truthful. And I want to give us all permission today that when you find that there's something inside you that's resisting something that is in the Bible, something that, you know, people believe is true, and and somewhere maybe in your head, you think it's true, but it hasn't gotten into where you feel and into your heart and how you live, and it's not making a difference in day-to-day living. We call that resistance. And resistance, if used properly, is a gift. It's a gift to us. Has anybody felt resistant this morning? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody stand and let's worship the Lord. I don't want to stand, I want to (laughs) sit. Don't tell me what to do. I'm my own person. I'm not having that person up there tell me what to do. Uh, Stand and let's read these offering declarations. (laughs) Why am I going to do that? Wherever you find that you're resistant, that can be a gift. What we need to do is start understanding that resistance is a gift from God. And wherever we're resistant, that gives a, an area in our heart and our life and our body and our mind and our spirit and our understanding. It gives us an opportunity to invite the Spirit of God to show us, why am I resistant here? What's going on? Because sometimes we will have a resistance to something that we give absolutely 100% total assent to. We believe it with everything in our being but all of a sudden there's something inside us that's resisting and we're saying, what, why, 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 why am I experiencing, why do I feel that way? Invite God to come into that place and to reveal what's going on. Lord, what do you wanna teach me about me in this moment of resistance? What is it that you wanna teach me about you when I find myself resisting? What, what's going on? I don't understand this. I know better. I shouldn't be resisting right now. What's going on? The problem that most of us do in normal Christianity is that we have resistance and we pretend like we don't. And we keep smiling. And And we keep saying, okay, well, I'm standing, but I'm not on the inside, I'm sitting. But I'm standing on the outside, so everybody thinks that I'm not a resistant believer. So I'm gonna stand. Yeah. Matter of fact, I might even raise my hands, you know, and, but in, inside, everything inside of me says, oh, again, today, what's going on? Didn't we sing that song last week? You know, those kind of things. Use as an opportunity. The enemy wants to use our resistance to bring distance between us and God. The Holy Spirit wants to use our resistance to bring nearness between us and God. So when we find something that we're resisting, it's an opportunity to invite God into our experience and ask him, why am I feeling this way? Sometimes, you know, for me, it's traumas. You know, it's like, (sighs) Oh, I I have this trauma and I didn't even realize it and the Lord starts to connect the dot and I thought I was doing it because of this and actually this just reminded me of something clear over here and the Lord starts connecting the dots so that the enemy can't trick us into thinking that we're no good dirty Latin Christians you know don't be afraid of resistance look make it an opportunity for exploration second Jesus on the cross, he took the entire old creation which is fallen and corrupt. So we go from the spiritual to the physical. Do you realize that with the resurrection of Jesus, there is a release and a conquering of all of the fall? Everything that is in the realm of the fall, even in the natural order, is being regenerated. Oh. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the day in which the fullness of regeneration on planet earth is taking place. Some of you may still wanna escape and run to heaven. That's fine. That would be fine. I'm okay with going to heaven. Matter of fact, I'm praying on a regular basis. I wanna go to heaven so that I can see how it's supposed to be here on earth. Because that's why Jesus taught us to pray. Your will, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven And the only way we can get a clue on the way it is in heaven is if it's revealed to us. And I, I thank the Lord for the revelation that comes through his word. Tremendous revelation. Thank the Lord for that. But I like to go sightseeing. Sign me up on one of those little excursions to heaven to where I can see how, how love and grace, how honor and how the kingdom truly works so that we'll know how it's supposed to look here on planet earth. And I would encourage you to be praying that same prayer. Ask the Lord when you sleep to take you to heaven, to show you stuff, give you dreams, revelation, all sorts of things that will cause you to see what heaven is and how it's supposed to be on earth. And read your Bibles. And look how the Lord has already described it and see what's going on in heaven. <clears throat> Colossians 1.20, and by him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. Wow. I hope you partook of, of Holy Communion this morning during the worship. Uh, some of our visitors may not know that while the worship sets, we've got two stations in the back that's got the the bread and and the cup. And during worship, any part of the service, you feel free to just go back and meet with Jesus and just receive that. One of the things about the blood, every time I take communion, as I take that little bitty cup with a little grape juice that represents the blood of Jesus, I just look at that and I realize there's so much here in this little bitty thing that would blow my mind if I could really get a revelation of what is truly the essence of the blood of Christ. What it does, the power that it has. It is, as Paul writes to the Church of Corinth, by the means of his blood on the cross. That's how he restores. That's how he transforms. That's how he releases the glorious power and might of his kingdom into the earth. It's through the power of his blood and what it's done for us. It gets a little more personal here. Three, he took the law of Moses and its condemnation when he died on the cross. Ephesians 2.15 says, by abolishing in his flesh, the law with its commandments and regulations, His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He's talking about this hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. And all of this, the the chosen people of God and those that God expected his chosen ones to reach, but they didn't. Instead, they thought it was, uh, 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 an elitism, we're the favored of Jesus. Num, 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 num. You're not, you're not. And, and they didn't understand that that was not it. It wasn't to bring a division. So we find that the, the cross, the blood of Jesus is spilt to take two opposing that has this enmity and hostility is to bring them into a new understanding of oneness and acceptance by the blood of Jesus not based on keeping the commandments, but based on the blood of Jesus that was spilt and believing and confessing in Jesus' name. I love that. I think it's so good, so good. What's it do? One, it it has a way of dealing with the religiousness that's in us, because something about us is that we were born for relationship with God, But when we don't have relationship with God, we would rather make up rules on how we're supposed to behave. And instead of behaving from a relationship with the Lord, we get this exterior code of conduct that we say, you're good if you behave this way, you're bad if you don't behave this way. And so we'd rather have rules and regulations rather than what happens when we have a relationship. Because what I found that when we have a true, intimate growing relationship with the Lord Jesus, Father God and Holy Spirit, we can't help but be transformed. That the behaviors that we were once doing, they begin to lose their effect. They they lose their attraction, temptation begins to get dismissed. And the more and more we focus on him, the more and more we live in the fullness and we actually fulfill the law. But it's not because we're trying to keep the law. It's because we're trying to love and know Him that the natural result of that is that our our behavior changes, our thinking changes, our emotions, our appetites, the things that are deep inside of us get transformed and we become more and more like Him. We become like the one that we're in intimate relationship with. Yeah. And when you're in an intimate relationship with Jesus, that is really good. You don't have to worry. Debbie's in an intimate relationship with me and unfortunately she got some of my bad habits, bad traits and stuff like that because she's in a relationship with me. She's with me every day. She's, she has to put up with me and so she gets some of my bad tendencies. There was a time when this girl was so sweet, so sweet. It was just unbelievable but I've rubbed off on her. And it's like, Oh Jesus, here's the thing. In relationship with father, son, and Holy Spirit, you never have to worry about something negative getting rubbed off like we do in human relationships. But in that relationship, we go from glory to glory with an ever increasing glory. It's an intimacy that once we begin it, we get a, we get a taste, and we see that God is good, it builds an appetite and a hunger in our spirit for more and more of him. So we go from glory to glory. Oh, that's good preaching. Keep it up, dude. Mm-hmm. So I love that. What, what happens is it takes the hostility out and it builds a community. It builds an acceptance. The more we realize how much God has accepted and loved us, the more we can be loving and accepting of others. Even the Jew to the Gentile and the Gentile to the Jew. So the hostility and the enmity between human beings can get overcome. Racism, all the different things, uh, all the ethnic ways in which the enemy gets us twisted. Number four, he took on the cross our flesh our old fallen Adamic nature, the nature of Adam, the nature of our sin. In Romans 6, 6, it says, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Underline that. Sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Worship team did a great job on all the songs. I was just thinking, Oh, I'd like to have uh, No Longer Slaves to Sin. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been a good one for this point here. But we sing that song and it's so powerful because it's right there. It's bringing it in. It's bringing and it's dialing into our sin nature. It's, it's understanding that we have a new, new nature. He goes on to, d- to develop this even more in, in some of the verses that are following. I want to make sure I don't miss this. Yeah. Number five, he took the very power of Satan himself. Colossians 2.15. In this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross, on the cross. While, <laughs> while Jesus was dying upon the cross and when he said it is finished, Satan's power and dominion was destroyed. On the third day, when he rose, the parade started and all the principalities and powers. He took captivity captive and he paraded it in public humiliation and shame. That he is Lord, that he is absolute King of Kings and that the kingdom of darkness has bowed its knee to the kingdom of light. Six. He took every sin that you and I would ever commit. Hmm. Can you believe that? Colossians two thirteen says you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Cause it the circumcision. Right. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. Is that good news? Yes. Oh my. All our sins are forgiven. <laughs> all our sins have been forgiven. Do you believe that? Is it, it, is it making a difference in how you're living? You know, when we still think that our, our sins are on the ledger, it's still, it's, they're, they're still recorded. And so we got to work harder so that we can offset all the bad stuff we've done with all the good stuff we've done. And we think, we think it's a balancing act. We don't understand that the blood of Jesus Christ has wiped our sin side completely out. There is nothing to balance. All your sins, past, present and future have been forgiven. He goes on, he says, he crucified them all. Mm. My sins have been crucified with Jesus on the cross not only that, but Jesus became sin itself, condemning and defeating it in his own flesh. For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. To me, the whole sin issue, if if we get a revelation that Jesus not only died on the cross for our sins, our, our transgressions, our debts, our behaviors that were offensive, and that we're sinful, but he also included the very, and he broke the power of the nature of sin within us. The sin gets contained, it gets obliterated. We still may have to wrestle with some things, but it's not because the work hasn't been completed. It's that we haven't understood how the work has been completed. And we don't know how to position ourselves in such a way as that we receive receive the benefit of what the blood of Jesus has done. What has the death, resurrection, ascension of the Lord Jesus done for us? It's nothing but miraculous, absolutely miraculous. From sin, Jesus wanted to let us know that it is forever done because then he who was absolutely pure holy and righteous he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of god i don't know what you think about when you when you meditate on that but it's just like it blows everything inside me i can't even comprehend how jesus in such purity just absorbed all of the sin He took all the darkness. He took all the sin. Sometimes I remember as a little kid watching black and white television and it was one of those army shows and they're going through and and, and one of the bad guys threw the grenade and somebody in the troop jumped and smothered the grenade and it blew up. But everybody else was spared. Jesus was able to contain all of sin. Our past sin, our present sin, our future sin, the sin of the entire world, he was able to absorb and on the third day rise. When he died on the cross, he jumped on the grenade of sin. And on the third day, he came back to life and sin has been vanquished. So when we have resistance and we have issues with with sin, don't beat yourself up, don't feel condemned. Use that as invitations for God to show you what's going on. Lord, why am I still struggling with this? Why is this getting a hold over me? Why is it that what I see in the scripture and what I believe in the scripture, I'm not able to experience in my day-to-day life? That is an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in and to show and bring discovery. And it's a place for invitation for the blood of Jesus to bring transformation and healing and wholeness. Mm. In addition, I love that. In addition, as if that's not enough. In addition, he justified and redeemed you making you right with God, forgiving you of all your sins. No sweat. I think one of the things that we kind of really focus on when it comes to the cross is our sin issue, because we're kind of ego- egocentric as human mm-hmm. beings. And so we want to see what the cross did for us. And uh, that's why I, I, I love today's message, because it gets us beyond just what it did for us, that it broke sin, it, it broke the the power of the kingdom of darkness in the spirit realm. and and the destructive, corrupt nature of of the creation, it's transforming. In addition, he justified, redeemed you and made you right with God, forgiving you of all your sins. Why does he add forgiving you of all your sins? Because what makes us justified and redeemed and right with God before us is, is our sin. Why? Has anybody ever heard that sin separates us from God? Sin separates. And so how are you going to believe and know that you're righteous, you're justified, you're redeemed, that you have access to the very presence of God if you're still aware that your sins are on the record? You have to understand that your sins have been forgiven if you're going to dare come into the presence of the Holy God. Because I don't know about you, but growing up in Sunday school, I thought, oh gosh, if you come into the presence of God, you're gonna die. You can, if you see the face of God, you will die. Why? Because I'm sinful. My sins is what will cause me to die and bring separation. But when we realize what Jesus has done and the sin issue is off the table, then we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. That's how we get there is when we're not worried about, oh gosh, you know, that Aiken guy, he was part of the chosen people of God and he took the stuff. I'm sure there's still some little sin in some corner of my life that if I get in the presence of God, that will be exposed and I will be dead. I will be embarrassed. God will shame me right out of His presence. Now, we usually don't say that, but we feel it. Oftentimes, we feel it. Because we don't have a revelation of the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross and what the power of resurrection transformation actually does and can do for us. And as we get that revelation, the sin issues. Gone, so access into his presence. Go into the holy of holies. I'm not worthy to go in the holy of holies. Oh, but the blood of Jesus is, and the blood of Jesus is on you. You have access into the holy presence of the Almighty because of the blood of Jesus. You get in his presence, it will mess you up in the best way possible, the best way possible. Did I read Romans 5, 9? If I didn't, I'll do it again. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. Mm. By the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been made right in God's sight. I love that. As a result, you now stand holy without blame and free from accusation in his sight. Why do we accuse ourselves? Why do we entertain the accusations of the enemy? One, the gospel is so good that somewhere in our heart of hearts we think it's too good to be true. But the thing of it is, it is true. And when we begin to take baby steps and act upon the truth of the gospel, of all that the blood of Jesus, all that the cross, all that the resurrection, all that the ascension, has secured for us, we'll begin to understand that. One, that we are now standing in a posture that is holy before a holy God because of the blood. We are are standing without blame. I don't know about you, but those of us that like to assign blame for our problems on everybody else, as we start to get into an awareness of how good God is, there's something that we feel like, uh oh, this could be the time that I reap what I've sown in the lives of others. And so when I come before Father God, he's going to still have blame toward me. And that is an emotion, that is a sensation that the kingdom of darkness loves to keep us in. Because in that posture, we will lack the boldness, we will lack the assertiveness to come into his presence. It will keep us at a distance. Oh, but it's not true. We have access without blame, <laughs> without accusation in his sight. No is that just amazing? That is just so good. Sure is. Just, just let that soak in for a second. That you can come before the holiest being ever. And that the work of Jesus is so complete and so incredibly powerful that when you're before him, there is nothing to be blamed and there's no accusation that is coming and directed towards you from his heart to yours. The only accusation we deal with is the lies of the evil one and our own insecurity because we don't believe that he really is as good as he says he is. We don't really believe that the blood of Jesus is as powerful as it actually is. The blood of Jesus. Oh. Colossians one i I'm gonna hit you with the NIV and then the NLT. Uh-oh. I've given the Passion Translation a week off. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation." And the New Living Translation. Yet now he has brought you back as his friends. He has done this through his death on the cross and in his own human body. As a result, he has brought you into the very presence of God And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Thine, oh, Into his very, very presence. Two things has to happen for us to really believe that. One, that the blood of Jesus is as powerful and that the work on the cross, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus was absolutely amazing and gives us access into the Father's presence. Mm. And so we come because we believe he loves us. Believing that the Lord loves us is is really something that is... mm. Anybody believe that Jesus loves them? Anybody anybody believe Jesus loves them? Does anybody think that you've understood the depths of his love? Hmm. I probably did because I get a little arrogant at at, at those kind of things. I think I I understand this. Until I went to a, a workshop. And this represents your life right here. This is your life. This is the infinite love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Romans tells us that God so loves us that he pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. He pours out his love. He really, really does love you do you think he loves you? Hallelujah! <laughs> this isn't supposed to run out. It's a brand new can. Come on! Oh, okay. We got some professional whipped creamers here. <laughs> How did you feel when you saw that? Yeah. Any resistance? I wanted to say, stop, stop, it's full. I wish I had a full. <laughs> I like whipped cream. Anybody have any resistance? I watched this. And my head's rejoicing and my heart saying, oh, don't waste that. Don't, don't waste that. And I thought, Lord, where did that come from? Lord, why am I saying don't waste your love? Don't waste your love. Mm, I need to invite the Lord where there's resistance. One, this can only hold so much, but God's love is the eternal whipped cream dispenser. It will go on and on and on and on and on. And there's something in me that says, don't waste it on me. I've got enough of your love. Let's get it on someone else. And you know what he says? What? Shut up. <laughs> You think you know my love. You haven't even begun to scratch the surface of understanding my love. I wanna just keep keep pouring my love into you. Oh, but Lord, I'm not living as righteously as I should be. He keeps pouring his love into us. It's like, but, but you don't realize I'm not a third degree black belt in the, in the spirit yet. You should save that level of lavish love for those that are really high up and skilled. And He just continues to pour out His love into our hearts. I hope your my goal this morning is that you see through the cross and what Jesus has done on the cross, by shedding of His blood and being raised on the third day. You're starting to catch that His love for you is infinite and that he has made provision for you to come into his presence. The only way in one sense that you can experience outlandish whipped cream love is if you come and you stand underneath and you're in his presence and he can pour out his love. Praise the Lord. But if we're still dealing with our sin theology it will keep us from coming into a position of receiving the fullness of his love. Right on. You can take any posture you want. I'm not going to say stand because you might get resistant. <laughs> I don't want to evoke a resisting thing. No. Holy Father, thank you for your love today. Yes. Thank you for the message of your love to us through the Holy Spirit whom you've given to us. We thank you for the work of the cross and everything that Jesus took upon himself, upon that cross, everything that he died for. I pray, Father, that we would not uh, get confused, but that we would continue to invite you into those places where we, we lack understanding where we don't understand. We don't understand how this actually works. Father, your ways are above our ways. How can we logically, rationally figure out everything about you and your desire to love us? I pray, Father, that you would cause us to know today that you want to lavish your love upon us and that you want us to know the wonderful joy of complete forgiveness, of the righteousness of Christ that is now ours, that it would be experiential and that it would be a reality in us and through us. And for this, we'll give you the praise forever and ever. Dine Almighty. This morning, as the worship team plays their last song for us. I want us to uh, use this worship song as an opportunity to just position yourself to get creamed by the love of God. (laughs) Just position yourself to get creamed by the love of God and allow it to come. And as you get filled up, guess what? The more his love that I experience, the more I want to share with others. And as that's happening to you and as it's filled up, you are free to minister the love of jesus to one another to pray for one another if you have a concern if you have an issue if you're going through something we want to know about it and we want to pray and stand with you and to be your loving brothers and sisters and so if there's anything going on relationally anything going on in your life financially anything going on in your life that is trauma-based we would delight in praying for God's love to bring its full power and effect into your lives. If you'd like to stand, you may. If you would like to sit, you may. But let's, let's worship the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.